You're listening to the All In Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Blake, giving you a new perspective on the dental industry. Are you ready to go all in? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Welcome to the All In Podcast, the podcast that brings you a new perspective on the dental industry. I am Shane McElroy, and I'm joined, as always, by my buddy, Blake McClellan. Second time's a charm, buddy. Second time's oh a charm. Oh, my gosh. You know, it loses authenticity this way, Shane. See, every How time dare I have you? to do overs, it's just not as good. I keep You're inviting you to email, take over the tech stuff, dude, but you just won't do it. You're afraid, and I don't blame <laughs> you. First thing I wanted to get away from, remember, I spent three years packing cameras and hauling around the surgeries and live streaming stuff when I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I got anxiety and PTSD with that shit now. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah. And you're so kind about it too. So well, like live, uh, you know, doing a podcast is still like live streaming because you're trying to do it in one cut, right? It's not edited footage, really. You you clean up a little bit, but really, you're trying to do it in one. God, take. and with it's us hard. too. Good lord. The yeah, I mean, probably needed. Like the selling implants, right? So, um, <laughs> no, no, man, I, I'm excited to to have David on, you know, because I think that again, uh, the beauty of Instagram is like you feel so close to these people, even though you're not. And David is someone, man, I think it, it goes back to the early days, I think. Um, and he'll have to remind me, but we started, you know, sharing his cases and stuff. And then, um, and by the way, everybody, he's talking about Dr. David Atia. Uh, yeah, I was going to let you introduce, sorry. Yeah. I want to jump ahead. Yeah, I mean, and then you meet him at, in, at DIA, and then now you guys have become friends. It's just it's, it's awesome what social media is doing right now if you really embrace it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and for those who don't know or haven't seen or met, uh, David, so you got a couple buddies uh, with the founders of DIA who have amazing hair, right? So you got Brian Ballywas who has like sculpted out of clay, and then you have the hair, which is Pay Ray, right? If their hair oh, didn't I get a vote? Don't count me out, asshole. Yeah, didn't I get a vote get, on that? No, you didn't get any. Uh, but if you if their hair, Ballywas and Pay Ray's hair had a baby, and that baby grew up to be like a model and a dentist hair. That's David Atia's hair. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's I the think best they thing. used his hair for Payman's logo because right, we'll have to add, Yeah, his is thinning out a little bit, but David is <laughs> perfect. In fact, like when uh, I think David came in a little bit early and stopped by to see Payro, I did a post that they sent a picture and I was like, you know, hair twinsies. Honestly, <laughs> David, David's got the crown with that one, man. He's got amazing hair. So, David, welcome to the podcast, my friend. We're very excited to have you from the other side of the world. We're worldwide now. Down under. I'm just as excited. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And, uh, I know we tried to tee up some time uh, a couple of weeks ago, but it didn't really line up. So I'm, I've been looking forward to this. Um, well, tell everybody what happened. Why, why we couldn't yeah. record before. <laughs> okay. So I was on the way back from work scheduled meeting that we had. And obviously, for those of you that do watch the news or own ATV, um, you know that Australia is going through a little bit of a bushfire sort of uh, scenario at the moment. So I was kind of caught in a bit of traffic because of some smoke and uh, I missed the deadline, unfortunately, and I couldn't make it in time. Being that, you know, I think it's like what, 80% of the country or something like that had some fire in it, some something going on in that region. And what was it like in the city with all the smoke and flames and all that stuff going on and this chaos? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because when I was in uh, in the States, in New Orleans, they were saying that, you know, if you spend a day in the city, it's kind of like smoking uh, 20 cigarettes just because of the amount of smoke and dust and, and, and all the rest of it. So I didn't have that image in my head. Um, it, it didn't kind of make sense to me until I got back um, and, you know, kind of landed in the airport. And then a few days on, um, 
traveling to work and all I could see was just red dust on the way to work. And one of the practices that I work at is a little bit away from the city towards some farmland. So it was really quite amplified in that direction. Very, very hot, very, very humid. Cars are filthy in the morning because of the dust, especially if it's been, if we've been blessed with a little bit of rain. So it was, you know, you see it in the morning. You go to work, it's on your car, you drive to work, you can see it, you know, in front of you as you drive. Um, but it's, it's, it has improved. It has improved. We've had a lot of uh, donations coming through to a lot of uh, not-for-profit organizations that have helped in uh, helping the uh, bushfire appeal and that sort of thing. So we're kind of grateful for all those people that have donated to help us out. It's really sad seeing stories about like the koala population is dwindling down to almost nothing now. I mean, is that that's crazy to me. It's really upsetting because we have the big fires out here in California, which we weren't really affected by on the East Coast. But man, that's it's just terrible to see that. Yeah, definitely. And farmers, for farmers, it's a big thing because, you know, when they see a week ahead that there's going to be no rain or um, it's going to be bushfires, uh, I've heard actually that some farmers have to basically put some of their cattle out of their misery um, and kind of take precautions in, uh, in, in securing cattle, uh, the cattle that they can't secure, sometimes they have to, to put down and, and, and it's, it's quite sad, really. Man, the economic impact that's going to have is just be terrible. You know, hopefully... You know the the donations help, but I know in the overall economic impact and how it's going to make prices rise and all that, that's devastating. Sure. Well, let's lighten this up a little bit because <laughs> I think yeah, I let us down a depressing path. I didn't tell Blake about this, but if it's cool with you, David, my my kids brought home it, randomly the day we were sister heard that book from Australia. So they're both of them right now are super interested in Australia, and and my both my boys have three questions for you. Can I ask their questions to you? <laughs> sure. They're actually Blake's questions, but he was too embarrassed to sound that dumb. <laughs> so we'll start with my uh, we'll start with my oldest Wyatt. So he's playing a like Legend of Zelda where you have like the, ride the horse around too. So he's very into horses. He get, he asked, do they have horses in Australia? We do have horses in Australia. I'm not sure if you um, if you gamble on the races either, but we've got a uh, an annual event. It's called the Melbourne Cup. Um, it's, it's quite a big event. In fact, you know, pretty much Australia locks down for that race, uh, on the first Tuesday of November every year. Um, and basically it's one of the biggest events. Um, it gathers a lot of, a lot of, uh, talent, a lot of fashion shows, a lot of, you know, those, uh, those pageants where people, you know, dress up in funny hats and. Oh yeah. Well, that's and, like our Kentucky uh, Derby. Yeah, I'm down, yeah. man. Let's go to Melbourne for some, uh, for the Derby. Let's <laughs> yeah, do, let's do this, this baby. <laughs> My wife right, is from yeah, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, so we, we've done the horse races there in Kentucky, and it's awesome, man. There's nothing like that experience. All right, let's go to question number two. Do they have sloths in Australia? Sloths? Are we talking about people, or are we talking about the actual animals? <laughs> your, your call, baby. Your call. <laughs> I actually haven't seen, personally, um, a sloth in person. Uh, I mean, I may have. I just didn't know it was a sloth. Um, but it's not something that we're known for. Um, but again, I may be uh, mistaken. It's something that I'll probably have to clarify and get back to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Google it. His last question, do you have kangaroos that just run around? <laughs> That's actually a funny question because I was working in a regional town for about three years and eight months um, up until about February of last year. And on campus, because there's a university there, it's very, very close um, to where I was working and you know, while I was doing my master's degree I used to go over there and, and kind of use the facilities the library facilities which are 24 hours and sometimes I'd be leaving at like you know, 12 30 at night one o'clock at night and as I'm driving home a kangaroo would just hop by right in front of me oh that's so awesome. yeah. so 
sometimes sometimes yeah they're there and um while i was studying at uni in in queensland the drive back to sydney it was, it was quite sad actually on the drive back you often see kangaroos on the side of the road that have been hit um because you know there's they are signs obviously that tell people you know be wary there's kangaroos crossing the streets every now and then and that sort of thing and, and you don't think it's common but as you drive home you see all these kangaroos on the sides of the road and it was it was quite sad to see because they they do actually come up and pop out of nowhere it's like deer here, Blake. Yeah, I mean, exactly. like, those things, yeah, yeah. I've actually been involved in three deer incidents in my lifetime. Not driving any of them, but yeah. two for me. Two for me. Uh, one of them made it. One of them did not. I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to my three-year-old Ethan. What's the biggest snake you've ever seen? The biggest snake I've ever seen. Okay. So, so you guys have poisonous snakes more than like giant snakes. Well, everything's big over there, probably. We do, we do. I haven't seen this one first person. I've seen the photo. Um, so one of my old bosses, this is in that regional town, he got a phone call one day at work and it was, you know, I just, I've never seen him get up and just leave leave work in such a manic. And in that town, everything's pretty close. So his house is like a five minute drive, but it was his wife. She told him, uh, get your ass here. There's a brown snake in the house. Um, yeah. And, um, it had gone into the kitchen and kind of crept behind one of the micro one of the microwaves, and I think she was opening the microwave or something, and it was this thing just popped out. So burned the house back, to right? the ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he he rushed home and picked up his uh, picked up a shovel, um, and yeah, <laughs> he did what he had to do to get it out. But it was pretty easy. It was about it was about one point eight liters, I think. Oh, oh my no way! I'm not well, dealing with any calculator snakes. out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big snake. You, you just canceled your flights, didn't you? You just canceled your flights to Sydney, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> no, we'll, thank you. You'll just have to protect us. That's the oh, one thing I hate so about Africa. Like when I go, it's like there's all these deadly snakes are there. I mean, you guys are worse than than I think than Africa. I think you guys have like what six, five or six <laughs> deadly snakes there. So and then like every time you know you're yeah. walking over these anaconda mounds or you're walking through the brush and you're you're the the hunting guys looking up in the air for the green mambas and you're looking on the ground for the black mambas it's like they just terrify me man i hate that what about the implant mamba uh, ooh, that's, <laughs> that's a good one, name dude. you better st- snag that up real quick put that one for sale uh, oh yeah so i'm in surgery with dr paul anderson he was actually a da we were doing that double archer and he just he's about to start using his uh his new instagram handle which is the dental implant jedi which i thought that was pretty dope Ooh, nice nice one, man. nice names are getting good you know i like um what's his name um heath uh coleman he changed his to implant addict you got implant viking with animal yeah Northwick. manichetti's implant daddy that's a good one ortho nasty was the best one that was a good that was on you that was uh Brian <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> that's that's but that was your idea awesome. Uh, her holiness the pulp was messing dming me uh yesterday we're gonna get her on the podcast to me that's probably the greatest handle ever that's a good one that's very cool i actually thought yours was implant mamba when i made that suggestion and i just went and looked you up implant mba i'm (laughs) to implant mamba right now because kobe all day um as far away from kobe as you can get that's probably (laughs) true but whatever (laughs) all right uh, second question for ethan have you ever seen like a giant shark? A giant shark. I have a buddy of mine. We used to go fishing uh, quite a lot together. Um, and he doesn't do fishing off the boat. He does fishing off the rocks. So we, you know, drive out to an area that's probably about two or three hours away from Sydney. Um, we get there at about 1 a.m. We send out some, uh, some bait. 
pick up some live bait and then send the live bait out um, and catch, uh, you know, two or three kilo tuna fish or kingfish. And then they'll then hook that and send that out. On one of the trips, uh, we caught a 110 kilo hammerhead shark. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so unfortunately, we, we had to hike about um, one to two kilometers down uh, to get to this spot. So we took a photo with the shark, chucked it back in the water because there's no way we were lugging 110 kilos up for two kilometers. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, like, life in Australia is a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> I thought these were like kind of, you know, dub questions. That's why I said there really are Blake's. But the, the answers are getting are amazing here. Yeah, now right. you're like, oh, well, hang on a second. Yeah, hold on. I got a question. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a pet koala? <laughs> um, all right. Question number three is less of a question and more of a statement. He just said, I love you. So there you go, David. My three-year-old loves you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, right back at him right back at him <laughs> uh, so i started following you right when i got on instagram um a little over like I don't know, a year and a half ago or something like that just because your photos are amazing what was kind of your genesis or beginning to like i'm gonna start throwing these pictures up on instagram because um, you're one of the best out there with that i appreciate that man i appreciate it. i mean for me my instagram's always been a personal instagram until about I think around February or March of 2018, I had a couple of buddies who, you know, had their Instagram handles, you know, Dr. So-and-so and whatever. I used to give them, used to give them crap all the time. I was like, dude, just put your name. Why do you have to put doctor in front of your name? Everyone knows you're a dentist. You're not a doctor. Um, and then, you know, we all, Facebook, Facebook's quite big here in Australia. So we, we have a lot of dental forums. Um, but the Instagram world revealed so many uh, talents. Uh, so many talented people that I hadn't been exposed to on Facebook. So I started following these people. I started to get inspired. I started to get motivated um, to kind of share some of my work and some of my cases. Um, now, for us, I started documenting my cases when I first graduated purely uh, because I got involved into an implant diploma. Um, and there's a bit of politics, as there is in every country when it comes to specialist GP sort of thing. So I used to document my cases purely just to protect myself in case there was a case that didn't go uh, as planned or anything like that. Um, and then it kind of took off from there. I just started to document general practice. Um, when I got into a bit more surgery, I started to, to document my surgery, seeking inspiration from the guys on Instagram like PayRay, like um, you know, Implants DC, like Phil Walton, uh, all these guys that I had the pleasure of meeting when I when I came out to uh, to the states in uh, in December. So. It's been a really positive experience for me. Um, I feel the love every day on Instagram from uh, from those who don't share cases to those who do share cases. This humility in people um, is, is something that I, I didn't think would exist in real life when I met these people. Um, I mean, I, I know you're meeting up with David Wong a little bit later today. He's one of the guys that is just, he's in a caliber of his own but at the same point, his humility goes hand in hand with that. And to me, that means a lot more to me than somebody who's highly skilled and just sees himself as the be-all and end-all, which is not David at all. Um, no. All the likes of Infant DC, Fina Dundick, you know, uh, Deep Perrier, all those guys, they're all really humble, down-to-earth, and highly skilled uh, clinicians. Well, I want to ask you something, actually. You know, two things. One is, where did you get your dental photography skills? And then two, how do you decide to post content? How was that process like for you? So a little bit was a, uh, initially it was a bit of trial and error. Um, you know, I had a, a basic photography set up. I started taking photos. Um, 
I started to document my cases and then kind of look back and see, okay, yeah, my photos are better than most. You look back at your photos and the point where you don't look at what's good, you look at what's bad. And I had the pleasure of attending um, When the Pictures Really Matter, uh, Eduardo. I uh, love those guys. Eduardo yeah, and came out, man, those guys are awesome. Yeah, he came out last year. Unfortunately, I didn't get the pleasure of meeting uh, Adamo back then or um, Jesus. But um, Eduardo came out. I've been following his work for a while. We interacted on Instagram uh, for a while. Um, and, it, it, you know, he'd inspired me and given me some tips before we actually met. So I'd applied some of the things that he taught me. And it's just, yeah, little, little bits of evolution. The arrow, right? That, yeah, that's oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and Adamo said the same thing to me. He said, you know, I could give you my camera with all my gear. But if you don't understand settings, if you don't understand lighting, if you don't understand art, then the photo just won't won't come out the way he would take it, you know. And that's still true, by the way. Adamo's photography skills are just absolutely next level. His inspiration is amazing. What he does, and and, and it's just every time he drops something, it's art. It truly is art. Yeah, yeah. In terms of what to post, I mean, Facebook. There's a couple of forums on Facebook where you know they they don't let you post before and afters. You can't post the before and after because. It doesn't show the process. It doesn't show um, how you got to where you are from where you started. And it, it actually instigates and inspires people to learn because if you're posting all your photos step by step of what you did to achieve a certain result, then it becomes a learning tool. And social media can be used for the betterment of our patients. It can be used for, for education. It can be used for upskilling, uh, for self-improvement, uh, rather than I'm fantastic, here's a case that I've done don't worry about how I got there, but this is what the result is. With Instagram, I think you can get the best of both worlds. Sometimes you just want to show a photo that illustrates so much because, you know, it's like they say, a photo is worth a thousand words. You can post a, a single photo and if you can, you know, annotate a little bit here and there or make a few drawings on that photo. Number one, a lot of people get a lot of value out of it. Number two, a lot of people learn. And I think also it, says a lot without people having to spend 30 minutes reading through a single post. They can see a single photo, read a small blurb, uh, understand your thought process and that sort of thing, and then, um, you know, make a judgment on it for themselves, you know? You mean that journals aren't the only way for learning clinical? <laughs> you don't have no, to read sorry? a five-page, you don't have to read a five-page article <laughs> to, to learn something about dentistry? I think that's the beauty of the visual aid, right? You first get inspired by this amazing photography and whether it's showcasing, like you have one where there's like a needle, I think having some uh, PRP dripping out of it or something like that. But like you, the, the way you look at it, it makes you want to dive deeper into the actual context. A lot of these photos are like, eh, whatever, you see it all the time. People He's put, talking you know, about like, my photos. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, yours are like, all right, what's he doing here, right? So then you spend that extra time to click through and read it. And I think that that's where everybody's trying to master right now is how can I get, grasp that attention versus just being mm. something else? Because I mean, look, we're, we're flooded with content now. How do you stand out? It's yeah, so I tough. stop on his all the time. And, and you're right. That, I didn't even think about that, but I actually read the content below too. And it's really important because I think for those who maybe not be in the dental field or new to it, like it does, to your point, Blake, it shows the art a really truly artistic side of what you guys do. It's almost like, an, you know, we had uh, Rob Stanley in here who's an engineer, but it's like the engineering combination of, you know, the artistry as well, which is makes dentistry and restorative and cosmetic dentistry very different than most fields. I think it's important to, to read the content because 
behind every photo is uh, is a history, right? Um, unfortunately, we live in a world where people treat Instagram like it's a university. Uh, a good buddy of mine, actually, Barat Agarwal. If you're not following that guy, you should check him out, man. Oh, yeah. He does some ridiculously crazy um, aesthetic stuff. Um, he he recently gave a lecture. He called the University of Instagram uh, what hides behind smoke and mirrors. So yeah, we might post a really really nice photo, but the idea is to capture the audience to then go ahead and read the history behind the photo um, or the history behind the case, um, and that inspires people to ask questions. It inspires people to seek answers. Um, it inspires you to interact with people that you normally wouldn't have. And I guess for me. That's what I've taken from Instagram. I've, I've been able to connect with a lot of people. I mean, after I saw DIA 1.0, I was like, there is no way in the world I'm missing the second. So, uh, you know, there's only yeah. two, two, two of us out from Australia made it out there. Uh, Omid, uh, who runs the podcast Movie Dentist, he made it out. And myself, and just meeting guys that I'd interacted with for over a year and a half, it was just like I've known these people for, you know, years and years and years. And it was just such a great experience. And something that definitely will be coming back to next year. Well, Blake, when are we going to do DIA Down Under, man? Talk to your boys. Oh, man. It's really more work. Sweet. No, you know, I, I like it because I don't have to do the work. <laughs> I would love to scale it out to a global brand. I think that it, what we did wasn't rocket science. I mean, look, I was inspired by tech conferences. So I, I brought that to the table in terms of, look, hey, there's all this going on in other uh, industries. Let's just do it in ours. But the people and the movement behind it, you can't articulate, you can't, you, or you can't, you can't buy, you can't do it. It is such a beautiful movement. And so, you know, you've got to serve that community in some way. So I, it takes an army. And if uh, we could find that army, man, I'd love to scale it out to a global brand. Because I, I know a guy in Australia. <laughs> and I know a wife that wouldn't be mad if we had to go to Australia for a trip. Although yeah. these snakes sound a little sketchy, but other than that, I think we'd be good. It's not the snakes you got to worry about, the spiders. I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, David, are you t- you're teaching as well, right? Are you teaching any photography courses or anything like that? So, Barat, who I mentioned before, he and I have been speaking for some time now about running um, not just a photography course, but something on uh, aesthetic case presentation. Barat is the type of guy that you know, we'll see those minor details that, you know, 1% of dentists will see. And when he points it out to you, you'll be like, well, how did I not see that? Uh, he's a buddy of mine who's been a support network for me from the start of my career. And uh, we've What's his Instagram handle? seen each other. His Instagram is Dr. Barat, P-H-A-R-A-T, dot Agarwal, A-G-R-A-W-A-L. Oh, he's about to get one more followers. So. <laughs> Um, so we've been speaking about um, putting something together and we're coming up with, still coming up with a course outline, but we're looking at a photography course coupled with aesthetic case presentation specifically for social media, for lectures and, and that sort of thing. And I think, you know, we, we live in an age now where graduates are coming up, they really want to learn, they really want to delve into CPD or CE as you guys call it really early on. So I think the key to developing clinically and to develop um, as a professional is uh, through documentation and through networking. I mean, the amount of people that um, we connected with through Instagram, even in Australia, that I still haven't met in person, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting somebody that I can go to to ask for help or whatever, and, and graduates need that. So we want to kind of get a community together where people are free to share, free to um ask questions in a safe environment and, and also learn in the process as well. 
I love that. I love that. I think that the, the whole community around dentistry is getting refreshed. I don't want to say better. I think there was a, there's been a great community. That's why there's so many conferences and that's been commoditized. But I think that now that there's a better ecosystem for this kind community, you know, if you look at Facebook, I think Facebook almost became toxic for dentistry in a lot of ways. Because you got a lot of keyboard warriors, a lot of trolls, and things like that. I was actually talking to uh, one of the uh, marketing execs, one of the big implant companies, or uh, not big implant, but big uh, manufacturers today. And we were talking about that and how the Facebook groups, it seems like they, they didn't have that same kind of uh, attention and, and support that Instagram has. And you see that now that, that dentistry is refreshed again and they love this open source sharing of knowledge that it's, um, it's really nice and, and, and I think the patients are going to end up benefiting the most from it all. Oh, for sure. You teach it quite a bit, correct? At the moment, I'm, I'm involved in an institute um, where we, we are teaching a little bit of implantology. Uh, you know, it kind of addresses uh, basics up to comprehensive or complex type of uh, implantology. Um, I haven't been teaching for long. I've been teaching for about 18 months now, uh, maybe a little bit shy of that. But the biggest thing for me, I found that you know, when you teach, you learn. <laughs> you learn so much about your patients. You learn so much about what you don't know when you're sitting there preparing a lecture because end of the day, you need to know what you're talking about. So when you go back and look at your own cases and you look at what you did, you kind of then need to um, formulate the thought process that you had at the time of the surgery um, and then kind of get to a point where you say, okay, this, I did this for this reason, it worked out for this reason, or it didn't work out for that reason. And you end up finding that a lot of your lectures are um, either compromised um, uh, cases where you managed to recover or things that could have been a little bit better and and how you learn from that particular case. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be involved with a couple of people uh, in teaching. Um, I've had some great mentors. I've been very, very fortunate to be um, associated with a lot of mentors that have shaped the way that I practice. Some of those have been from Instagram um, that I can now safely and confidently call friends. And a lot of local guys, a lot of international guys. I've been, I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. And I think it's only fair that we kind of give some of that back uh, to the up-and-coming generation of dentists by providing them access to, you know, uh, education that wasn't readily available maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Do you think that dentistry, because you see this a lot in other countries and maybe Europe or uh, Middle East and stuff, that there's some very different aspects and dynamics to dentistry. Comparing it to the U.S. and your colleagues, you know, their, their feedback, do you think that there's any differences, major differences between the dental industry in, in Australia and, and in the U.S.? Whether it be the That's economics or, or anything like that, the patient uh, mindset? Hmm. Look, that's a very good question. I think if you look at it from the patient mindset, um, I think uh, we've, we, live in a, we live in a world here where cost sometimes is a very, very big issue for patients. Um, but at the same point, you do have patients that are willing to kind of explore their options entirely before they make a decision. Um, we have a lot of competition, um, which is something that can uh, create a little bit of tension between dentists themselves. So because our population is, what, 24 million or 23 million people, uh, if you want to look at the ratio of dentists to patients, um, the numbers are, are heavily skewed uh, in comparison, say, to the U.S., where you've got such a big population. I know you have more dentists, but you also have such an enormous population. So what I noticed is that the... Um, in the States when I met some of the guys there was that, you know, you'd have four or five guys that are probably 
we're going to start to grow from each other and they're just so happy to share and help each other without thinking about competition, without thinking about, uh, you know, he's going to steal my patience or any of that. We have a bit of that here in Australia, certainly not as much as the States, um, but I guess for us, um, it, it's our vision that, you know, we see dentistry improve as an industry for the better um, through learning, through education, um, and, and that in turn will be most beneficial for our patients as well. Because at the end of the day, we're in it for our patients first and foremost. Um, speaking, lecturing, all the rest of it, that comes as a, as a secondary sort of um, sort of thing, you know? No, that makes sense. I think, you know, I was talking to someone from Portugal the other day. He was doing a marketing company for dentistry in, in Portugal. And, you know, it's, it's heavily on doing the right thing for the patient and offering a really significant you know, economical option and, and things like that. Whereas, you know, we're very sales driven now in dentistry here in the U.S. I mean, there's so many marketing companies that are just teaching you how to your front desk to be closers. It, it, you definitely see how we're making it very competitive in the U.S. Even though I think with Shane and I were just on the last podcast, it's like something like 11% of the implant market need is being served right now. Yeah. There's still a wow. huge market of underserved patients that need the implants. And so now we're seeing like a, a clear choice, which is a big DSO here in the U.S., right? Uh, I think mm. four or 500 clinics, something like that. Yeah, they focus but, specifically like full arch. Full arch. And, mm. and, and, and they now have their own TV show that they were running on multiple channels on Saturday. That's like a interview style with a live audience and they do a patient stories, but it's turned into like it's so competitive. They're having to make their own mm. live TV shows now. I mean, for us here, if you're looking at opening a clinic or um, even advertising for your clinic, I don't think a clinic can survive without marketing. So, you know, we've got everyone now on board with Google AdWords, with SEO, with marketing companies, helping you boost your clinic's profile. And I guess, for me, the approach that I took on, I'm still an associate, um, was to go down the education path, was to, to come back to Sydney, uh, to Sydney eventually. Um, so it was kind of like I was at a crossroads whether I, go, I get into ownership or I go down the education path and learn as much as I can as early on as I can so that when I did move back home, which was my end game from the beginning, um, I'd be able to secure a job in a very, very uh, competitive market. So I've been very grateful with the opportunities that I've had uh, in, that have allowed me to go ahead and do a bit more education so that you don't have to rely as much on marketing because then, you know, word of mouth becomes something that, really works in your favor, especially when you look after patients who didn't have access to the care before. So there's a lot of different avenues that you can take. Marketing certainly has to be a part of it, whether it be personal marketing on Instagram or word of mouth um, or, or, or any of that sort of thing. You know? I'm looking at your email. It says 89. Uh, how old are you, David? David, you there, buddy? Oh, you didn't want to talk about his age. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 30. You're 30. Oh my God. It's, it's so this is a huge compliment to you because, um, at DIA, it was funny. You know, some guys were talking about you, some pretty big names and they're like, Oh, the, his skill level is incredible. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like at 30 years old, like that's kind of like pay rate too. Um, the hair, it automatically, that is what, it is, that's what it is, man. If, that's you, like, if you have perfect hair, People just want to work with you. <laughs> but that's pretty cool, man, to be that young and that, you know, have guys at the top of the game over here knowing who you are, not just that, but being like, dude, he's the man. He's, he's incredible at this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there like, 
I had just met you like in person for the first time. Like, yeah, but he's like super cool guys. Mm. <laughs> it's like, forget all that. <laughs> like, the nicest dude. Like, I mean, like, it was well, funny meeting well, you. Like, though, we knew I mean, each other, you know, he's taken an education path, you know, pay rated hundreds of hours of CE, yeah, you know, true. I mean, look at pay Ray is just an anomaly as an ADD as he is to have such a successful practice and be a stud in, in, in surgery. It's crazy, but you know, it is, um, I think it's true if you commit yourself to your art and you try to master it, it's only a matter of time. And, and you've shown that passion will make you successful. I mean, it shows in your artwork and your case presentation and in your mannerisms and how you are with people and hopping on a plane to go halfway across the planet to uh, yeah. a conference. Man, you got passion. And, and I tell you, everybody I talk to from business to dentistry to whatever it is, if you have passion, you follow it. It, it can kick your ass sometimes, but at the end of the day, it's going to work out for you. And it's showing well, quite well for you, it seems like. I really David, appreciate are, that, guys. Really, it means a lot to me. Oh, it's, we were, you, you have an idea how excited we were to have you on, too, because we were trying to make it. <laughs> for people who don't know, like, David and I went back and forth, I don't know how many times, just trying to figure out how many hours are in between. <laughs> 16, by the way, <laughs> Sydney and Atlanta. It was coordinating itself, and you just went out of your way. Like, you're at the airport right now, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm about to hop on the plane actually in about 45 minutes. Um, but I was, I was, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that we could see this up. Really, I've been looking forward to this for a while, ever since we uh, we caught up in uh, in Arizona. So I'm I'm really really grateful for you guys to have me on board, and uh, it's 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 been fun so far. I'm looking forward to the rest of the podcast. Are, yeah, are you guys? Are, so you are coming back for DIA 3.0? Oh, 100 percent. Hell yeah, dude! Because it's in our hometown, so let yeah, us. We're gonna throw a really freaking early party too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine uh, it, how, how good it is. Early. Well, I mean, you're more than welcome to. We'll bring you up here, and you can come shoot some guns in the woods with us, like rednecks, and uh, you know, and then we can go out on the lake. Oh well, it's December, so we can't do the lake, but um, you know, we could have a good time here in Atlanta a few days early. We could play golf. It's been sure. nice over here to play golf, except for today. True. You play any golf down there, man? Shane doesn't even work, so he's got time off. I work at least 10, 12 minutes a day. I mean, give me some credit. You know what I mean? Efficient. So you went to Vegas too, right? Was that your first time to Vegas? I did. No, it wasn't. I went uh, back in 2015. I did do a trip to Vegas, um, but I went straight after DIA. It was good. It was actually, look, to be honest, I wasn't there for, for partying. I was just so tired after DIA. It was just <laughs> two or three days of chill, a little bit of shopping, caught a couple of shows, uh, caught up with a couple of buddies, and that was that was pretty much it, really. Um, so it was it was great. It was great, but it was, it was much needed uh, rest, to be honest. <laughs> so check this out, Blake. The party at DIA was that intense that he had to go to Vegas to recuperate and rest. <laughs> what the hell? That's amazing. <laughs> I tell you what, man, it, it makes it really challenging. You know, in, in college, I used to do these like parties for our fraternity. We would actually make money on it. We'd charge per cup for guys or whatever. And it was like a thing. And then little did I know I was actually going to be doing it in my professional career and uh, it'd be a hit in a medical industry. <laughs> But it's awesome though when you see like you know you got Dr. Nguyen and and um and then you had uh a, taking a shot on shot lose and then you've got a NIMI winner and an oral surgeon who's what in his late forties early fifties dancing on a table yeah. and Paul, with his wife. Paul's pretty old he's fifties his wife <laughs> Chris is, is not she's more my age. <laughs> 
but yeah, it, it was it was funny, man. And I just was I was ear to ears, happy as hell the entire time because it just everybody was having fun and it wasn't awkward. Most dental parties are completely awkward. It's like the eighth grade. No. Band. that's why instagram is such a beautiful thing right so it's like it's a little bit of a gamble to take all these people who are very loud on social media and put them in a room because we're really not that loud in real life (laughs) well i think what instagram did for because i don't know if i wouldn't say that all dentists are socially awkward but there's a fair amount of them and i think it's that (laughs) uncomfortable ability to like you know kind of know somebody ahead of time so that that wall's gone you know, you broke the ice already. Yeah. There's no ice to be broken. You just dive in and become buddies, you know, which is great. I think it's really cool. And everybody thought we yeah. talked about this before. Everybody thinks social media is the devil. No, you can use it the other way and actually bring people together as opposed to pull people apart. And I think that's, oh, for sure. you know what I mean? I think the older generations and myself included in there, uh, you know, kind of looked at it that way. But I, I, my opinion on it over the last couple of years has completely flipped. I think so David, amazing. would you ever teach any courses on social media to, to clinicians? Oh, good question. Well, as part of the program that I'm uh, putting together with, uh, with Barat is a uh, social media case presentation. Um, uh, but I guess it, it's helping dentists find what inspires them. Some people are all about, you know, just sharing a snapshot in a full case. Uh, for the sake of, of, of just a, a pretty picture, and that's perfectly fine. Um, uh, once you guys have a look at Barat's uh, profile, you'll see that he's all about education. The guy has done more CE than a lot of people I know. He is humble to the bone. He answers questions. He and, and that's what we're trying to kind of get make available to to the people that do attend those uh, these courses out here. You, know, you learn how to present cases, learn how to use social media for the better, whether it be through Facebook groups, whether it be through Instagram or Instagram Live, um, and, and these types of things that are now available to us, which weren't available you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Uh, you guys are quite ahead of us in terms of the Instagram game. Um, so we'd really like to make sure that um, social media here heads down the correct direction uh, when it comes to Instagram uh, among dentists. But at the same point, you'll, you'll come across, you know, the odd people here and there that, you know, are in it for the wrong reasons. And you've just got to be wary of that. You've got to kind of take everyone, you know, with a grain of salt and, um, and hope that it improves the industry and uh, becomes something positive for everyone. I'll be honest. I mean, in the past, I mean, just let's say 30 days, 60 days, I've met with several of the, the, the big, large companies in the industry from different aspects. Small flex, small flex. Oh, yes, my but I mean, and, and high level executives, and they're all saying, look, we've got these old KOLs that like, they're asked, they have all these demands on stuff. And we, we respect them because look, there's, we've been working with them for years. They're great, but the game has changed, mm. but the players are the same. <laughs> Thanks, uh, but but, the, the, <laughs> but it has, and they're like, what do we do with this? And I, and I keep talking to them about how they need to bridge the gap with the DIA people, right? That crowd. And have them shed some light to these older KOLs while at the same time taking some of these older KOLs and having them teach these younger guys how to play the game, right? Mm-hmm. How to play the KOL. Yeah, that would be awesome. How to manage things. I think both can bring value to each other, but no one's having that conversation. And it solves a big problem that both these companies have, KOLs have. And I think everybody wins, mm-hmm. but someone needs to take that initiative and have that conversation. And I think you would be a great yeah. person to teach that. Yeah, but he's one of the young guys, <laughs> which yeah. is amazing. You get to play both sides of it, dude. 
what were some topics or lectures that like you would like to see that you haven't even heard anybody do or, or seen before? It's an interesting question. Um, I mean, for me, hearing John Coyce for the first time was just such a privilege, honestly. Like, at the end of it, I mean, you guys were there, you saw the standing ovation that he got. An hour with that guy was so action-packed and so filled with knowledge that I was just itching to, to come back and, and, you know, to the course center and, and take on some education. Um, I think it's people like that. It's people that have been in the game for so long that at the same point have not stopped in one spot. Uh, like what you were just saying, you know, there's a lot of uh, old school KOLs out there who their work speaks for itself. But in the same regard, when it comes to social media, they're either completely against it or they're not really... Uh, hopping on board with the wave that's happening over the last few years and will continue to move forward over the next few years. Um, so having people that have the experience, have the credentials, have the authority to teach, um, while at the same point are constantly moving forward and elevating, uh, one for their own personal betterment, but also for the betterment of industry as an industry. Um, I think the, the lectures that were presented at DI 2.0 were pretty much all on point. They all address topics that I felt were were things, either questions that we, we may have had but didn't have the answers to, um, or um, just revealing things that we had no idea about. You know, we don't know what we don't know. So you know, you might bring somebody next to you that shares a topic that none of us have ever talked about, but you know, you approach these lectures with an open mind, and if it's something that you know makes sense to you and you can apply in your daily practice or your day to day, then. It's, it's a positive influence, isn't it? And that's what uh, influence entity is about. It's about influencing. That's preserving this integrity too, right? Because it's been a power that's been abused. Look, let's just keep it real. We've seen a lot of, of people on the podium who are walking billboards and, and we lose the integrity of clinical treatment that way. You know, and so it, yeah, if, sure. if we're going to have authentic education based on biology and clinical success and results, not skewed results, then we need to see more people teaching based on their passion and seeing companies support that passion and that mission. And I think it's scary for a lot of companies, but it's happened now that where these new up and coming influencers, if you will, are in the driver's seat. They already have the influence. They have the audience. They don't need a conference to put them on a stage because they, they have their own medium and, and, and they're teaching on what they love and they, and they passionately believe on. And then the companies can come in and support. Whereas they're so used to being in control and they're, they're not used to that. A lot of them, I'll be honest, a lot of them yeah. I've met with, it scares them to death because they can't, one, yeah. justify the legal into, you know, uh, it, it scares them. They love to control yeah. it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think um, you mentioned one word a few times and that's really what it comes down to. And that word is passion. I think when you teach, teach with passion. When you give, give with passion. Because when you give with passion and you teach with passion, you're teaching with all that you have and all that you can offer. And that's genuine. That's genuine. You don't have an ulterior motive. You're there to teach. I had a good conversation with uh, Nate Sonata. Um, he was at one of the after parties. And he was saying, you know, when he and Peire first teed up, you know, Peire was, you know, doing a lot of surgery. Um, he used to ask Nate a lot of questions. Nate used to help him out all the time. And I said, Nate, you know, you were giving so freely. He said, you know what? If you give freely, end of the day, it's not, um, it's not the arrow. It's the archer behind the arrow. So even though I can give you all the materials that I've used, everything that I've done, you may still not get the same results. So it's not a substitute for education. Um, social media is a means of connecting people. Um, but when you teach with passion and when you teach with integrity, 
you know, the your, your work speaks for itself and the people see you for who you really are and you're not just there to promote a course or promote uh, your own personal agenda. It's really for, for the industry and for the betterment of those sitting in the lecture field. I love that. That's beautiful. I, it, 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 there's nothing to, to say to that. I think it's a drop mic moment there, Shane. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> uh, man, so I actually had this idea bubbling. Uh, again, I'm going to put stuff on Blake because this is fun for me to do. Blake, I, I think you need to talk to like your boy Kois or one of the other you know, old, no, I don't want to say old school because he's still bringing the A game, but like somebody like that, maybe pair him up with the David and maybe we do like a mastermind for all the, the younger KOLs up and coming and to what David was talking about, like case presentation, but have both sides of it, meet in the middle. That would be dope, dude. I'd love it if we did like a very intimate thing. I, I still think it'd be really cool if like that scenario, right? We all meet up at like a snowboarding resort or something oh. and it's a weekend locked in. Or we just go have fun, shred some powder, and then, you know, talk about these kind of difficult conversations and, and brush elbows with everybody like a powwow and record the whole thing and throw it out there for the world to see. They have a uh, skiing in uh, Australia, <laughs> David. Oh, no, yeah. but they do at we the got, middle ground, a, right? <laughs> we got, yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of actually, um, snowboarding is pretty big here, actually, um, and skiing in, in certain areas of, uh, of Australia. Even though we uh, we do visit some serious weeks, but through the time, there are certain areas where you can go and ski. Or we can just all meet in Japan, man. We can just all meet in oh, Japan. Oh, there you go. Is it uh, <laughs> still out there? Oh, man, he's it? had the, he's had the, <laughs> he came back after eating all that raw chicken and sushi and airport sushi oh, and shit. No. And he's been down with food sickness. All right, him and Adam both illness for three days. Like bad, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. When you when you don't see Ballywas posting like a billion story posts, then you know something's going on. (laughs) I'll tell you what. I'm gonna call it out right now. I know there are a few dental companies with a lot of money in Switzerland where there's some great powder (laughs) that they could host this and make this possible if they're listening right now, and it could be something epic. So if you're listening, tag them. I'm going to throw it out there that if you invite us out to Switzerland, we'd come out and stretch some fresh pow-pow and talk about how social media is changing dentistry. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. It's there. They it's don't, they don't want me, Blake, but I'll sneak in your suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm in. Uh, well, I got one last question for you. My mom, our number one fan, Karen Parkinson, my mom, Blake brought Shout up this episode. She loves us. Oh, she's awesome, man. Uh, she and my mother-in-law, who just got a full uh, upper and lower arch done, uh, are going to be going to Australia for like two or three weeks really? or something in the next month. So if anything goes wrong with my mother-in-law's prostheses, I have to send her to you, buddy. Will you take care of her for me if anything goes wrong? And then uh, tour them around to a couple of ladies. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to say it would be my pleasure to help her fix up the last prosthesis because I don't wish that on anyone, but I would gladly look after her. Um, and yeah, I'll take it to some cool spots. <laughs> and then you'll have another we were, follower on Instagram. <laughs> well, while we were on here, I posted a case of David's, the uh, full arch failure that you had posted about. It was like a seven year follow up. It wasn't your case, but you were there to kind of fix it. Mm-hmm. I just posted that. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah, nice yeah, one. Yeah. It was your uh, yeah. post DIA post, I think. Uh, Wonger just landed. Yeah. David Wong just landed. He's, he texted me. He says, hello, David. He says he, he, he's bummed. We were going to, we changed the time, everybody, but we were going to have a secret guest host on here for you, but we kind of flipped things around. Wong was oh, going to no jump way. on. <laughs> hey, we, we could always do a second session, get, get the Davids together. That would be amazing. 
I'm what do you think, Blake? That, man. I'm, I, I'm out, man. I'm in. The two of the coolest guys, truly in the world, literally, uh, that I know in <laughs> dentistry. David, thank you so much for taking time. I know you got to jump on your flight. Um, where are you going again? I'm going to Brisbane. Brisbane. Where is that? It's just yeah. that's north, right, for you? Just north, yeah. About an hour. I got to I got to get a map. It's terrible. <laughs> and then it's upside down, right? Anyway. Here, so like, let's keep it honest. I, I didn't. Yeah, I'm not classy. I don't know anything. <laughs> uh, but, dude, really appreciate you taking the time. And, like, I'm really excited because I, I really had such a pleasure meeting you. You're one of the coolest people I, I've ever met. Like, genuinely, I mean that. Not just in dentistry, just, like, this dude's freaking cool and kind. And so I'd love to do this again. I cannot wait. Hopefully, I get to see you before DIA next year. But definitely, we'll, we'll be DMing and, and chatting anyways, man. But thank you again for coming to the podcast. I truly appreciate you. Thank you guys, really. The, the, the feelings are mutual. Um, meeting you guys in person is something that I've been looking forward to ever since I registered for DIA. And, um, and I think uh, I'm glad that the communication and the interaction hasn't stopped post-DIA. And I'm looking forward to catching up in person soon. Hey, man, you're our, you're our guest at uh, DIA, man. This is our hometown. So you, you're traveling the furthest. So you got, you got everything taken care of. Don't worry about anything. You're our I'll guest. pick you up on our golf course. you right around. So. <laughs> all right buddy well thank you so much and awesome. have a safe trip man and guys we'll thanks, catch guys. you next time on the all in podcast thanks for listening to the all in podcast see you next time